Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition, another episode of the Eurohoop pod, the Eurohoop's uh, official podcast. Uh, I'm Antonis Trogilakis, and I'm here, as always, with Adigoni Zahari. Hello, Adigoni. Hello, Antonis, and hello, everyone. And uh, Adigoni, I know that we didn't have a guest last week, and this was uh, an additional reason to promise our listeners something truly, truly special for this week's podcast, right? And I think we live up to that with uh, this week's guest. This is this, and uh, about this week's guest, we are talking about um, the person we have on our podcast this week is a pioneer, actually, a trailblazer in uh, refereeing. She became the first woman to ever officiate the Euroleague game back in 2016. To date, right now, she remains one of the two female referees in Euroleague basketball together with Vasiliki Tsaruha. Vasiliki Tsaruha joined the competition in 2019. Our guest began playing basketball at a very young age, but then she decided to turn to officiating games and begin a refereeing career. She officially began uh, this career in the fifth division of Germany. In 2009, she was promoted to BBL, the first division of Germany. She got her FIBA referee license in 2012, And uh, she's now also officiating in Euroleague. Outside basketball, off the court, she works as an HR in a hospital in Heidelberg. I, I, I hope I got that right. And I hope, Anne Panther, that we got everything right. Yes, thank you. <laughs> It was perfect. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure. And thank you for, uh, for being with us. All right. So first of all, We want to know a bit more about your background. Um, when did you decide to become a referee and what was that that specifically attracted you to the job? Yeah, I was, I was a player already. I was playing, I started with 13. So when I became 15, uh, all my teammates, uh, they were officiating. They were officiating all the games around my city. So... I thought it's interesting and uh, I thought maybe I can try it. So I, I visited a clinic and I started to do it. So and uh, at the beginning, it was more or less a little bit for the pocket money. But I really, I liked it and it was interesting. And I already started to recognize that I'm having some benefits uh, of the knowledge as a referee. Uh, which I could use as a player on the court. So um, <laughs> I used it a long time uh, on both sides. But um, when I went up to the higher levels as a player, I also recognized that I was watching the games more as a referee. So I, I checked all the time what the referees are doing, how they communicate, uh, what they decide, where they are looking for. And uh, I wanted to do it the same or let's say I, I wanted to do it a little bit better because in this time I, I didn't like the referees <laughs> so um, yeah that was the reason why I decided uh, more to focus on refereeing the games and also for sure I was a sportswoman and uh, if you are involved in sports you always want to reach the highest level which is possible And uh, I recognized that uh, during that time I was playing the second national division that I will have possible the, the possibility to go up to the first division in, in men's competition in Germany. So I decided to focus on, on refereeing. 
Great. And since you are a player, you have that background. Uh, I assume it's more easy for you to keep up with uh, the game's tempo. Is there a specific pre-game routine or exercise that you follow in order to stay in shape and be up to that tempo? Yes, for sure. Um, I, I would say we are also athletes. We are also sportsmen and sportswomen because we have to do more or less, not really the same training, but we have to do much more training than everybody thinks. So normally I do three or four times uh, running and uh, training for my muscles for the stability during the week. Um, so it means when I don't have a game uh, on that day, I'm doing something for a workout, uh, running um, sprints, uh, running long distances, uh, training the speed, uh, doing some training for the muscles and also for the core and the stability. Um, and nevertheless, for sure, also for relaxing, recovering. So I'm doing also yoga. And uh, all this uh, is very important for us to, to be in shape and especially also for me as a woman to run the same tempo uh, like the guys on the court to be in front of the game. Also, I was always wondering, speaking of uh, keeping up with the, the game's tempo, do you prefer a slow tempo game? Less, it might be less fun for the fans, uh, for the team, but also less tiring for you. Or, you know, faster paced games also provide more exercise for the referees, so the faster the better. What is it for you? I love the fast game. I love the, the really athletic uh, game and uh, I like this up and down if you don't need to stop the rhythm so the game can run. Okay, it's, uh, <laughs> it's uh, hard when you have a lot of fast breaks for sure. But yeah, I, I really like it. And it's, uh, we are also working for, let's say, for the spectators that they can enjoy the game. So we try not to stop the music as much as possible. And we also enjoy this. So I really like when we can run a lot. And now you actually gave me a pass for, for the next question. Uh, enjoying the game or not from, from, from the standpoint, the viewpoint of a referee, do you enjoy the game? And how easy is it for a referee who is also a basketball fan, who is also someone who loves the sport, to actually enjoy the game? Oh, it's, I would say it's uh, much more easier than, than you think because um, during the game, we also recognize if we have some great moves, some great shots, uh, LAU passes and something like this. So if we have these actions on the court, also, when you look at the referees, you can recognize that they look at each other, they smile, they, they are happy with the situation. So we can enjoy these small moments, but we also enjoy when we have good conversations with the players, with the coaches, and uh, many things are running in a, in a good way, let's say, or if we can handle some special situations or tricky situations, emotional things in a good way that everybody is finally happy. These are moments we can enjoy. Also, I, I love the, the presentation of the teams. I love uh, the special atmosphere in, in the gyms now, especially also when the, when the fans are back. So this is 
all these points uh, I enjoy a lot. And I know from my colleagues also that we enjoy this. If you ask a referee why they are doing this, they always say something like this. And they say, if I'm on the court and I cannot enjoy mm -hmm. this anymore, I will stop it. So. That's an interesting take for sure. Um, and you mentioned some uh, difficult moments in the game. I was wondering how hard of a critic is a referee towards their own work? Um, and do you happen to review footage of your own games? For sure. We, I would say we are more critical with our job than anybody else because uh, we are also me, we are looking for the perfect game all the time. We don't want to make any mistake. So it means normally during the game, we immediately recognize when we are doing mistakes and we are really upset with this. So during your career, you, you learn how to handle these things, not to think about it. But immediately after the game, every referee can tell you, okay, in the first quarter this minute, this call was not good or in this quarter I missed a call so we are looking for every detail and that is also what I'm doing when I, I watch my game so I'm checking every game and I'm let's say I'm scouting myself I'm scouting the the game and I'm checking okay which call was good when did I miss something and uh, I, I check why did I do it normally it's because of a bad positioning or I I was looking something else or I was not ready mentally. Sometimes this happens and I'm analyzing this and when I know the reason why it happens. So I, I have also the glue what, what I have to do the next time uh, to avoid this mistake. And every time we are really, when we come together, we say, ah, okay, this we have to do better. Uh, there, this was not so good. And if you look the game normally, you would say, okay, it was running smoothly, but we are looking, okay, this was not good. This was not good. And normally sometimes it's not so, so easy because also for the young referees, we, we try to tell them, okay, don't look only for the mistakes. Also, please take care about your good things, what you are doing. Mm -hmm. So I, I also try to check, okay, what was good, especially in some things like communication, what is really important, I think and some critical calls, how, how was the call, was it right or wrong, how you sell the call and all these aspects. And I think because of this, because we are looking for the perfect game, we are there where we are. You know, what you say is really important because I don't think a lot of people realize that uh, this job has so much to do with attention to detail. And sometimes, or should I say, more often than not, we see fans going on social media to comment, you know, any plays or any calls that uh, might be triggered about. Uh, do you happen to read any of these reactions? Or are you, you know, aware of uh, the feedback, basically? For sure. I was reading this in the past a lot um n not now anymore to be honest because uh, if i would read everything it, it would destroy us so uh we are looking for ourselves we have many coaches referee coaches who are working with us who are scouting our games who are giving us feedback 
So we are scouting ourselves. And uh, for example, in EuroLeague, we have mostly every week a, a meeting where we are talking about the last games, about things which were handled in a good way or things which we didn't do in a good way. So uh, we are talking about it all the time. So uh, I think <laughs> this is enough. If I, if mm-hmm. I would check all these uh, community things, um, this would be a mess for sure. There are Information also some... overload, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I would say there, are, okay, for sure there are bad comments, but there are also good comments. It's, it's not only one side, it's always both sides. So um, it, sometimes I had, a, I had a game in the past uh, where I received, it was in Germany, where I received many really bad mails. And during that time, I was, I was really sad about it. So it, it really made me struggling a little bit, let's say. Um, but during that time, I also received many positive comments. So like, um, please, we, we hope that you overcome this. Okay, it, it was a mistake, but no problem. Normally, we are really happy when you enter the gym. We know what we get. And I think these comments are much more important, especially for young referees. It's not easy to understand this because uh, it's new. Uh, somebody is talking about you. So when you are young, you want to read everything. And um, in this moment, if, uh, if you make a mistake and uh, you are really sad about yourself and yet, then you are reading bad comments, it's not good. So um, that's why I stopped this in the past and uh, I try to look for myself uh, in a neutral way, let's say, because also these comments are mostly from one side. Um, and I, I absolutely understand this. When I was a player, every call against my team or me was wrong, mostly. <laughs> but, That's um, always the case. When, <laughs> yes. <laughs> but to be honest, when I was watching the game one or two days later, without any emotions, I recognized many times uh, the referee was right. Or maybe also I can understand why he or she was calling this. So without emotions, it's much more easier. It's uh, always you will find some mistakes, but uh, it's something different. So um, that's also a reason why I don't check this. You talked about uh, handling the, the negative comments on social media or ignoring them because uh, from one point onwards, you can't pay attention to everything. But what happens uh, in, during the actual game? Because fans, especially European fans, can be really intense in their reactions. There's the noise, there's the things they might shout at you and they will make sure to shout them at the language that you understand and uh, the things aren't always directed to their team. They aren't always positive. There might be some very bad things. I mean, I've been in arenas. I heard how far (laughs) some fans can go with their comments and they can go really ugly, really quickly if they don't like something. If they they think that their team is not treated right, if if they think that there's some injustice against them. So how do you block out this noise, the negative noise? To be honest, I I don't listen all these uh, single words. Uh, Sometimes I have the feeling there are much more bad words for females than for men, but uh, I don't listen this. I, I only recognize the sound or the noise, let's say, that it's getting louder. Um, but this is something, to be honest, I, I enjoy it. It's some kind of emotions which we need in all the gyms. 
it's not the case that I'm doing something to create this noise, but um, this is, for me, it's normal and uh, it's, it's absolutely okay. And um, I, I only, like I said, I only hear the noise and that's it. I, I'm, I'm totally blocked with all these special comments. Doesn't matter if somebody is uh, directly behind me or somewhere else. Um, I'm just listening the coaches, the players, when we have some communication or my colleagues. And that's it. All the other things, um, even if you sometimes you have problems, uh, I don't know, at home with friends, family or something like this, even this is absolutely blocked out. I'm, I'm doing my job on the court. And this moment, I'm a referee. That's it. I'm not Ann Panther. And I think this is one of the most important things, what I learned in the past about this job, all these critics or when people are shouting this, they are shouting against this job, not against me personally. And uh, when I recognized this, um, it was much more easier to handle this. It's because of my role uh, of my, on the court and um, these different views, <laughs> I would say. And uh, that is also one reason why I'm able to block this out because it's, it has nothing to do with me as a person, uh, with me as a private N. Uh, it's something about my job on the court and that's it. And uh, with this, I'm, I'm fine, I'm neutral. I, I know that emotions are normal. And uh, for me, I also learned that it is okay to make mistakes and it's normal that then you will have some emotions. You need to be ready. You you shouldn't be uh, surprised about it, but that's sure. that's all. And uh, yeah. what is the learning process behind the handling complaints by coaches or players, especially when you are new to the Euroleague and you you are having uh, someone who might be a superstar, you know, and has a certain poise coach or a player and having him, you know, complaining in front of your face. Uh, how, did, how did you learn to manage that? Um, it's also always some kind of process. And uh, for me, it's, it's always like I, I'm going in the game and I try to do the best what I can. So try to do less mistakes as possible. And if I'm new in, in a league, uh, also the coaches and the players, they have to to learn about me and the first time it's normal that they are very emotional and more often we meet each other they know me and I know them and then the communication is growing up so for me it's really normal that at the beginning the people are more maybe complaining or hesitating about the communication but if you meet each other, I don't know, five, six times during the season and they also recognize you are doing a good job on, on the games because I know everybody's checking all the games. Um, it's, it's a process. And also for, for myself, I was trying many things. And like you said, for sure, maybe players who are there for 10 years or more, they they know everybody and then you are coming as a rookie and now you call something and as a rookie you also have to learn what does the game needs it's not always the same so this is also a process when I came there for me it was like oh my god it's so fast and I had to learn which call is really necessary for the game and which one, which one I can I can leave 
also now I, I'm still learning in this. And um, I think this is also a learning how to deal with each other. And um, these are many, many things. And I would say still in every game, there's something new with the coaches or the players what I'm trying and uh, also what they are doing. Maybe when I meet somebody the first time, we are not talking each other. Next time it's like, ah, I know you, okay. Mm. And then it's also some kind of trust, I would say. If they trust you, and this is what I, I try to work for, that the players and the coaches trust me and that they also understand, okay, if she's doing a mistake, it's not the end of the world. She recognizes and she tries to avoid it uh, again. So she's working a lot. And if you have this trust on each other, I think it's also much more easier that they understand me and my position and I understand them. And uh, for example, you know, when, when there's pressure also for the players, the game is tight and um, maybe it's important that they win you have some some different kind of emotions, you have some different kind of communication and, and this you have to learn. You have to go through and uh, I also made mistakes of the communication, how you look to each other, what is the right answer in that moment and uh, still uh, I'm working now more than 10 years in, in German in the league. It's always a learning process and I'm trying trying to deal things always in a different way to find the right balance for everybody. And, you know, everybody, everybody is also different. Like maybe I can talk to this coach in this way, to the other coach in a different way. It's, it's normal. It's, it's some, some human thing, I also think. And uh, yes, uh, I'm still learning. You know, this happens, you know, it's just like life. We make mistakes, we move forward. That's that's what's happening, I, I suppose, also in every every position. Now, um, I would like actually to take you back to a very important moment of your career, a pivotal moment for EuroLeague basketball. And how would you describe the feeling of stepping on the court to officiate your first ever Final Four game? Yeah, I, I still remember this feeling because I was, I was absolutely nervous. I was, um, I was not sure if I, I can handle all this and I was a little bit hesitating. But then I also had the moment when I recognized, okay, they trust me. They made this nomination for this game. I have really good partners. They also trust me and I just have to do my job. So I have not to do anything special. I, I don't need to show anybody anything because um, they trust me. So um, this calms me down a little bit, but still I, I was nervous. But immediately when the ball goes up for the toss, everything was, was blocked out. I was just on the court. It was a basketball game. Finally, it was a game, not more, not less. And I did many games before. So in this moment, uh, I was just there for this game. But before, <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was really a special moment. <laughs> also, when I, when I realized in, in the morning, during the breakfast, somebody was sitting next to me and showed me every minute, oh, and there's an article about you in Argentina. Oh, look, here's oh. an article about you in Spain. 
oh here's an and I was like oh shit <laughs> why <laughs> so <laughs> it was not good for the for the feeling for myself because uh, first of all for sure I thought oh maybe now everybody's looking at me and waiting for the mistakes but this is the wrong way to go in, on it and I try to to stop these thinkings and uh, just to trust myself trust my my partners who were excellent uh, on that game and um, uh, also I, I tried to enjoy this moment because I, I I don't know and I didn't know if I will have this chance again so it was something special and I want to keep it in, in my heart and wanted to keep this memory for me. Coach, uh, just a quick question uh, since we're talking about uh, important uh, games, games and moments is there one game that uh, you would uh, really, really like to officiate again if you had the chance? <laughs> yes, this semi-final. <laughs> okay. This game on the final. <laughs> that, that, was, yes. that was quick thinking. That was simple. I mean, it was simple in your head what the, the answer is. Yes. This one. This one really, but I have also some Tamara's one, but um, for the others, there are only in my mind let's say as a memory but this one today with my knowledge now i really want to officiate again okay so now let's uh let's move to you being one of the very few actually female referees in european competitions we talked about this pivotal moment of you stepping into your first final four game and Actually, one thing I'm always hearing, um, especially, you know, uh, here in Greece, but I assume it's a general thing. Do you, does it bother you when people say woman referee instead of referee? I mean, what's the difference after all? I mean, we said it at the beginning because we had to say it in order to describe something that uh, you did for the first time in order to represent women referees, but... Adigoni obviously means something completely different. Yeah, for me, to be honest, I never thought about women or, or male referees, let's say, men referees, because um, for me, it's always a referee. And that's really why I love this English language, because there's only one word and uh, uh, that's it and uh, when I started to officiate it I, I was never thinking about this man or woman or do I officiate men's games or women's games um, because for me it was always normal and uh, it became something special I would say when I reached the higher levels because the media was interested in it and it seems not to be normal because uh, there were only a few female. Also, before I reached the EuroLeague, there were other female referees who, who already stepped in. Um, but uh, the base of all the referees who are available is, is a very, we are only a small number of females. So it's logical that at the top, when you go up, like on a pyramid, um, if the base is very small, you have only a very, very small number on the top. This is normal. So I never thought about this. For me, to be honest, it's, it's just a topic for the media, which seems <laughs> to be interesting. But um, the leagues uh, or the, the people who made the nominations for me, they never gave me the feeling that 
I'm there because I'm a female or I'm a woman or, or something else. They gave me the female, uh, they gave me the feeling that I'm there because I'm a good referee and I'm doing my job and I'm, I'm doing it on the level which is necessary for this league. So for me, it was never, never a topic. And also now when the people ask me, it's always the same or how is it uh, to be the only woman or one of the first so for me it's nothing special i'm I, to, I always want to be treated the same way like the male because nobody is talking about this problem not problem about this topic when somebody asked me at the beginning when i entered the new league ah can we make an interview i asked why yeah because you are the only woman i say yeah but do you ask my male colleagues how it's for them? So, no, it's 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 only some media topic for me, let's say. Coach, uh, you talked about uh, enjoying uh, the game and uh, everything about it. I'm wondering which is the the home court, the arena that you enjoy that you, that you enjoy that you like officiating the most? There can be many reasons because of it, the atmosphere, the infrastructure, anything. Uh, there's not really a special one. There are many gyms I really like because of different reasons. Like you said, because of the atmosphere or uh, how the gym is, is built and, and um, how it looks like, there are many things. So I, I couldn't really point out one special gym. Uh, I, I also love uh, some countries, uh, how, they, how they promote, how they are living for basketball. So this, I really like to, to um, recognize all these differences. Uh, in Lithuania, they are living for basketball, you know, when, when you encounter us and you have this um, singing anthem before the game, the same in, in Belgrade, uh, in the gyms, it's, it's all, always very, very tense. So I, I like these gyms, also Maccabi, when, when they're full and they make a lot of noise, um, this is always a special feeling. I, I don't like the gyms where it's very wide and uh, they are not full. Sometimes I'm missing, I'm missing this uh, special atmosphere there, but I would say every country, Greece, um, Spain, they have these uh, gyms where you have a special feeling on the court. So I, I cannot really point out one gym. It's always something different, but I can say I can mostly enjoy in every gym in Europe the game uh, in a different way. But essentially, it's the Mediterranean atmosphere, the famous Mediterranean atmosphere. Uh, I was wondering also, uh, do you have any, any referring mentor, someone that you looked uh, up to or you still look up to uh, when it comes to, to this profession? Yes, I started to work um, 2000, let's say 2010. I started to work with my mentor. He's also a referee coach in the Euroleague. And um, he was very important uh, during that time because I was struggling. I, somebody, uh, they, they told me that I will not be able to officiate the first division uh, in Germany. And I didn't understand why. And uh, I met him, met him on some clinics 
and uh, I called him and I asked him because I knew that he's uh, very honest, very straight. Sometimes it can hurt you, but uh, that was what, what I was asking for, to be somebody who's talking to me in an honest way. And he did it and he told me um, that there were some problems with uh, my behavior during that time and how I was dealing some special things. So I had the chance uh, to change it. And he also told me that it is okay um, not to try to do something special because I'm a woman. He said, it's okay when you are a woman and you are allowed to be a woman on the court um, because I try to be like a man. And that was not the way because I was uh, not myself. I was not authentic. And uh, I, I never stopped working with him. I'm still working now with him. But I also started to, to communicate more with my colleagues or with referees who are much more experienced. And well, I'm working with uh, Uli Slitz more than 10 years now. And uh, he became also a, a friend who was helping me through all these stages I was working through. And I also started to uh, work more, to go more in a conversation also with the, with the colleagues on higher levels or who are much more experienced and uh, try to get also some advices from them to learn from their experience and uh, to get an, an exchange about all this, uh, also to share uh, clips, to get some other opinions. So, and I can, I can catch whatever I, I like or what I think is good for me and I can work with it. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm working a lot with a mentor, but also with, uh, with the other referees. Great, so now to wrap up our conversation, Let's move off the court for a bit. Uh, you work in the health field. So we're wondering how hard or how challenging it is to balance basketball and working in the health field uh, in, amid a pandemic, basically. Yeah, um, I'm really lucky because um, the, the company or the hospital where I'm working, they are supporting me a lot and they are fine with my job. That was one of the things when I said I'm going there. Um, I, I need this support and, and they love it. So this is great. They allow me to go whenever I want. They uh, allow me to even to go very, very, let's say, when I get a phone call today to be tomorrow there, it's okay for them. And the pandemic helped me a little bit because during that time, they also started to allow me to start with a home office. So when I'm on my way, I can uh, work from where I, where I am on that moment uh, with, with my laptop. And um, I'm, I'm not working uh, really at the patients. So I'm working uh, in the management side. I'm responsible for the employees and everything. So I'm in the HR and, uh, okay, I have to organize many things, but this is uh, much more easier. Even when you're on your way, you can, I have to create many documents. I have to study and to read many uh, things about all these um, government rules. And I'm preparing this for, for our employees. So, um, it's it's okay to handle it 
it's not always easy, <laughs> but um, with the support from my hospital, from my boss and everybody also from my employees, because I'm responsible for more than 30 people. And uh, even them, they started uh, when during the pandemic, when I was on, on the traveling side, they said, and when is the time when you are not here? And I said, listen, I was not here for two, three, four days. And they said, no, because... I got my answers every time uh, in between 20 minutes. So I had the mm. feeling you were here. Mm. So, and this is the, the, best, um, the best feedback I can receive. So it's, it's running really in a good way for me on both sides. So I'm, I'm really happy with this. Referee Jan Panther, uh, I cannot thank you enough for this incredibly illuminating conversation. I mean, there are so many so many things we learned, so many things we found out. Thank you for this, for taking us uh, to a trip inside the mind of a EuroLeague referee. It was amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much. It was my pleasure. Thank you for the invitation and uh, for your interest, also, for your interest and also in these uh, aspects. Adonia, I think that was a beautiful talk with uh, Coach Anpather. Uh, I think you agree completely. Totally agreed. And I think we all got a, an idea inside a referee's mind. Uh, I, most of us, if not all of us, would be very curious to, to see and understand actually how a referee thinks throughout the game, how they experience the game. And I think Anne completely gave us a great outlook on that. Yes, because we rarely, we rarely learn of these things because referees don't give uh, many interviews. They, they have a reason. To, to avoid the press, you know, it's not very easy to talk with a referee, to, to hear what uh, he or she has to say about games, uh, how he handles certain situations uh, on and off the court. And, uh, you know, uh, even uh, doing their self-criticism, that's, that's really rare. And I think that speaks really, really positively for, uh, for Am Panther. Now, heading to this week's uh, EuroLeague games, uh, we have, uh, first of all, Anne Panther, it was announced by EuroLeague, will coach in Athens uh, the game of uh, Panathinaikos uh, against uh, Unix. One uh, of the most interesting thing, interesting games, I think, this week in EuroLeague, because of Mario Hezonia's uh, return to Oaka, a place where, that he loved, also as a fan, not only as a player of Panathinaikos, right, Adigoni? Indeed, and it's going to be very interesting to see how fans also react to his return. I think he was very loved throughout his time in Panathinaikos. And um, we all know when a player returns to a former team, fans always, uh, you know, cheer for him, shout his name. I'm thinking that it's going to be a good atmosphere for his own, despite, you know, the abrupt... Um, parting of ways that happened. Yes, because many Panathinaikos fans expected that he would stay on the team, but uh, for, for very... I mean, long, once a player, always a player for teams like Panathinaikos with uh, such great fans, you know, such uh, supportive fans and very loud on the court. Yeah, they loved Mario. He loved, he loved them back, so... Uh, an interesting reunion, as you said. Uh, this is one of the many games of the round. We have uh, some other matches that stand out. But what is what is your must your must watch uh, game for this week, Adigoni? 
for sure have to go with Fenerbahce against Olympia Milan. I think everybody will be tuned to that game and see how Fenerbahce can keep up uh, against uh, one of the leader, actually, the leader of the standings, if I'm not mistaken, which no, I'm not. No, I'm not. The leader of the standings. Um, and they play at their home court. I don't know. Chances are good for Fenerbahce in this game. Especially since, uh, you know, after last week, they got this big win over Tessica Moscow and uh, Fenerbahce was looking something to bounce back, not only when it comes to, to the results themselves, but the thing is that uh, they they had uh, lost in so many games in the very last moment against Real Madrid, against Barcelona, against um, Barcelona, yes, against Olympiacos. I'm talking about literally the very last moments of the game, the last one or two seconds. And true. That's what uh, cost them uh, in those matches. And uh, to bounce back with a win over Tseka Moscow, regardless of the fact that Tseka Moscow was missing Tornike Sengelia and Nikola Milutinov, who are back actually, they returned to action for Tseka. Uh, it was still a big win. And uh, we will see if um, Fenerbahce, you know, uh, has, has reclaimed its form for, uh, for good against uh, Olivia Milano, uh, perhaps uh, the most uh, balanced team in EuroLeague uh, right now. They play great. Their defense is so strong. Their offense runs so smoothly. In general, they are a team like Kyle Hines uh, told us is uh, extremely balanced, maybe more balanced than last year. And results speak for themselves. Adigone. Now that you mentioned, yeah. oh, sorry, before we yeah. before we close this episode, now that you mentioned Jessica, we should also mention uh, that they play against Maccabi Tel Aviv this week. Uh, they play at home and with Singelia and Milutinov back. That is going to be a very interesting matchup, in my opinion, with, with Maccabi's uh, pace and rhythm at this point of the season. Maccabi has the momentum, but uh, Jessica has three defeats in a row now in EuroLeague. They have also suffered a couple of losses, uh, stunning losses in the VTB League. Uh, honestly, I don't see I don't see Jessica losing another game. Maccabi plays well. Uh, they also lost uh, in the for the domestic league. Uh, they lost to Hapoel Holon. And uh, I don't think that Jessica will drop this one. There's no way that Jessica will drop this one. They play at home. They have some players back. Uh, obviously, they might not be at the best ideal shape imaginable after such a long period of absence. I'm talking about both players, both uh, Tony Kesengelia and Nikola Milutinov. But uh, Jessica has the quality to, to win this game, and I think they will win easily. It's too much for Jessica to lose four games in a row. In <laughs> True. Eagerly. So anyway, at the only, uh, that was it for this week's uh, podcast. Uh, I think that uh, we had some good news today. Let's not uh, jump to early uh, conclusions, but uh, it's quite possible that uh, next week we will have one of the most uh, spectacular young players in EuroLeague, a rookie, uh, with mm-hmm. a very familiar name, right, Adigoni? A very famous name. Indeed. Uh, we don't want to spoil, but uh, no, no we should say... 
we should say that you should follow the Eurohoop pod on Spotify or Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, whatever you prefer. Or you can also find us on anchor.fm slash Eurohoops and keep checking Eurohoops.net to see updates about everything surrounding basketball. That's completely right. Uh, Adion Zahari, see you next week. From uh, thank you so much. Like is also we are renewing uh, our appointment for next week and uh, hopefully with this uh, guy that we mentioned. Farewell, everyone.